everyone. Welcome to Crime Cults and Coffee. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Bren. And I apologize if you can hear my neighbors upstairs. They're being really fucking loud. It's actually really audible. Seriously? No. (laughs) Oh my god, I was gonna say, I'm gonna go up there and yell at him. (laughs) No, I can't hear them at all. Don't worry. Okay, because it's these two teenage boys, and I swear to Jesus, all they do is play video games and scream at each other. Oh my god. And it drives me fucking nuts. The one night, I swear, it was like I pictured them jumping off of beds just constantly. My ceiling fan was shaking. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck's going on up there, but I'm going to have to complain soon. (laughs) It's like WWE throwdown. (laughs) For real. What are they doing up there? (laughs) (laughs) So what's been new? Well, joy to the world. Happy holidays. (laughs) By the time you're hearing this, that has probably passed because we dropped the ball with that. (laughs) Eh, That's okay. It happens. (laughs) But as we're recording this today, the world has received a gift. Kelsey, you might have heard of this gift already. Baby Jesus? No, aside from baby Jesus, (laughs) justice has been served and she is a spicy, spicy bitch. What happened? The man we have all come to know and love to hate, the fucking blob of clay rapist himself, Harvey Weinstein, has been found guilty of some of the charges that were brought against him. (laughs) Fuck. And he has been sentenced. Oh my god, I didn't know this. Yeah, this just came out today. <laughs> the fact that you just called him a lump of clay. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe him besides a disgusting, slimy blob of clay. Wow, that's good news. Yeah, so we can only hope that he now gets to spend the rest of his disgusting life behind bars and that he'll get his due while in there. Wow, that is really good news. Yeah, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) And Merry Christmas. (laughs) Yes. But on a serious note, not that what I just said wasn't serious, but I'm so happy that the brave humans that came forward with their stories about the rape, abuse, manipulation, and extortion that they endured at the hands of this absolute demon are finally seeing him pay for it. Yeah. And good riddance, lock the door, lose the key. Bye. Bye. I really hope he gets what he deserves. Yeah, for real. I mean, I think prison will take care of that for him. Yeah. Hopefully. I literally was, when I read that today, I was screaming. I was so excited for all the people that over the years have endured what he put them through and that they finally are just getting justice. Yeah. I don't think he's been found guilty on all of those charges, on every single person that he did something to, but at least I think as of right now, they said with the charges he received today, he's sentenced to 24 years. So that will hopefully be the rest of his life. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and maybe more to come. Who knows? But I just wanted to say... Happy holidays on that note. (laughs) Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Happy Hanukkah or whatever you believe in. Kwanzaa. Every holiday out there. Speaking of the holiday season, I have a good Christmas movie. Even though, like we said, this would be out after Christmas. 
It was so cute. It's like a typical Hallmark. It's not Hallmark, but it's like a typical Hallmark Christmas movie. It was called Single All the Way, and we watched it on Netflix. Jennifer Coolidge is in it. It's about a gay couple going home for Christmas. It's really fucking cute. Oh, I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah. Me and Carson watched it a couple weeks ago, and I cried, and I don't cry during movies. So, oh, it was so really sweet. cute. I can't say that I've watched anything new, but I have to say by the time this episode comes out, since it will be coming out after the holidays, I have definitely watched White Christmas with Bing Crosby because I watch that every single year, either on or around Christmas Eve. (laughs) So I've definitely watched that and I definitely recommend it if you have not seen it. You're such an old soul. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Anything else you want to talk about before we get into our coffee? I don't think so because I do have a couple book recommendations, but I want to save those till the end. And you'll understand why once we get through today's episode. Okay, cool. So I can go first. We're doing separate coffees tonight. I got mine from good old Tarjay. Uh, love her. Yeah, she's very busy right now. I mean, can't even keep up with my online orders. It's ridiculous. Anyways, it's a <laughs> it's a McDonald's K-cup, okay? Don't judge me. It looked really good. It was the flavors toffee almond. Ooh. Yeah, I didn't I even know. know that they made that. I didn't either. And I didn't know McDonald's had flavored coffee, but I guess they do. So the toffee really just got me. I love toffee. I will say it does taste a little too medium chemically. (laughs) I was going to say chemically. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little chemically. It's a medium roast. I I mean, it's pretty good for a K-cup. I honestly think that the the coffee that they have at McDonald's is better. McDonald's coffee is actually really good. Yeah, I was going to say that when you said don't judge me. I like McDonald's coffee and it's cheap as fuck. It is. And yeah, it is pretty good. This one, I think it's the chemicals for me. I probably going to rate it like a five. Okay. Yeah. Is it overly toffee? How would you describe the toffiness? I think it's the almond that's very fake. Okay. It's almost like a artificially flavored biscotti. Yeah, not actual almond, but what the scientists who engineered the product think almond should taste like. <laughs> right. Like scientists who developed strawberry flavor. Who the fuck tried a strawberry and said this is what the flavor is? I think that all the time about grape. <laughs> I'm like, this does not taste like grape. Right. There's so many out there. It's strawberry, grape. It's like who Watermelon. made up these flavors? I know. Watermelon. They don't taste anything like the fruits. No. We've just come to accept that. You were like, oh, this tastes like strawberry. No, the fuck it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) The only one that's real is orange. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. And lemon. And lemon sometimes. Orange and lemon. Everything else is fraud. You can count on the citrus fruit always. (laughs) So the coffee that I'm reviewing is actually a birthday gift from Amanda and Kaylee. I thought you were going to say birthday cake. (laughs) Oh, no. Yes, surprise. My coffee was inside of a birthday cake. Ooh, yum. It is from Green Brothers. Their website is greensbeans.com, and they're located in Sparta, and I think they have another location, but don't quote me on that because I'm not exactly sure. I didn't dive deep into the about them, obviously, because we save that for the companies that gift us coffee. 
But the flavor that, or the noted coffee that they got me was Hackettstown Hazelnut. Oh shit, that sounds good. Yeah, it's a hazelnut coffee. It is delicious. It was ground already. And when I opened the bag, I was like, holy shit, this smells like really good hazelnut coffee. And I tried it black, but I also put some hazelnut creamer in it, as I do. And it is a really, really nice, smooth, easy-to-drink coffee. I would say if I if it was a dark roast, because I feel this coffee is a medium roast, if it was a dark roast, it probably would have gotten a higher rating from me because it just didn't taste bold enough for me mm-hmm. to rate it higher. But it is a really good coffee, and I'd probably rate it an 8. Good. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to try them. I'm looking on their website now. They have some cool holiday flavors. Does it happen to say if they have another location aside from Sparta? Yes, it sure does. Hackettstown. Hackettstown. Okay, that explains Hackettstown hazelnut. There you go. (laughs) That makes sense now. Yeah, I wasn't, I didn't want to go for it and say that because I'm like, what if it's just a roast they got from somewhere else? But there we go. Yeah, I really want to check out their cafe. Yeah, it looks cute. Cool. And aside from that, besides saying thank you, Amanda and Kaylee, for gifting me delicious coffee, amongst other things, (laughs) I don't really have much more to say. I don't think so. Should we just get into it? Let's do it. So grab your coffee and have a morning with us. So because we're so great with doing holiday things for the holidays. A week later. (laughs) A week later, (laughs) we decided to incorporate some holiday-related stories into today's episode. For all you Christmas freaks that can't let go. Yeah, and they're more so folktales or legends if you will i love these yeah so the first one we're going to talk about a lot of people have probably heard of and the thing that i enjoyed about both of these tales that we're going to tell is they're on the darker side Mm -hmm. and the first one is that of krampus I have never heard of it i must live under a rock i don't know but i think it's the funniest thing you never heard of Krampus? No. Have you ever seen the movie? No. Oh my god. I know. I I guess I was sheltered. I don't know if I can know. I've never heard of Krampus, but I know of parts of the story that don't involve him. I don't know. I don't, I've never heard of him. And I just want to make it clear that we are saying the Americanized pronunciation of his name. I'm sure in other countries, it's probably pronounced a little bit differently, but we did listen to multiple videos, and it seemed either Krampus was the Americanized way of saying it or the more popular way of saying it. So that's just the way that we're going to be saying it in this episode. Yeah, Krampus. Krampus. So the origin of Krampus is not fully known. Some anthropologists and folklorists believe that it could have, quote, pre-Christian origins or goes back to quote-unquote pre-Christian Alpine traditions. Some articles state that it could have originated as a German Christmas tradition in the 12th century. There's lots of conflicting info with origins of Krampus. 
This makes even less sense to me because I'm half German. <laughs> that you never heard of Krampus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I, I know all the other German traditions. Why don't I know about Krampus? Maybe your parents wanted to keep you sheltered from the dark side of things. I feel like my mom would have thought it would have been funny to tell me about him. I don't know. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> I I don't know either then. <laughs> Maybe you need to get back to your roots a little bit more and dive into that family history, you know? Maybe I should. Yeah. So the Alpine folklore of Krampus spans across Central and Eastern Europe, and it has since worked its way into American culture and folklore. In 1975, anthropologist John J. Honigman wrote, quote, The St. Nicholas Festival we are describing incorporates cultural elements widely distributed in Europe, in some cases going back to pre-Christian times. Nicholas himself became popular in Germany around the 11th century. The feast dedicated to this patron of children is only one winter occasion in which children are the objects of special attention, others being Martinmas, the Feast of the Holy Innocents, and New Year's Day. Masked devils acting boisterously and making nuisances of themselves are known in Germany since at least the 16th century, while animal masked devils combining dreadful comic antics appeared in medieval church plays. A large literature, much of it by European folklorists, bears on these subjects. Austrians in the community we studied are quite aware of quote-unquote heathen elements being blended with Christian elements in the St. Nicholas customs and in other traditional winter ceremonies. They believe Krampus derives from a pagan supernatural who was assimilated to the Christian devil. And that was a quote from Wiki. See, me and St. Nick are tight. We, I did the St. Nick thing with the shoe outside and, and you get the things in your shoe. Uh-huh. Still nothing, no memory of Krampus. Yeah. So they're basically trying to say that Krampus comes from pagan beliefs and is tied to the devil. Yes. And that is the religious conflict of this story. So known celebrations that involved Krampus date back to the 6th or 7th century CE. However, there were no known written documents including Krampus until the end of the 16th century. By the 17th century, the figure was incorporated into Christian winter celebrations. So eventually this did connect to Christian religion in some way, shape, or form, even if it was in a negative way, you know? Right. The name Krampus is thought to have come from Bavarian or German origin. In Bavarian etymology, Krampen means quote-unquote dead or rotten, And in German etymology, Kramp or Krampen means claw. So not good either way. Yeah. A dead rotten claw. Yeah. Evil either way. Yeah. And I feel like these stories today reminded me a lot of the History of Halloween episode that we did. Yeah. Where a lot of stuff was said to be derived from pagan traditions or Wiccan holidays or whatever. And eventually it made its way into Christian religion or Catholicism, but presented itself as 
a different thing or something similar, but evolved. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really interesting how that seems to happen with every holiday we cover. Yeah, it's really weird. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. So on to the description of Krampus. If you didn't know what he looks like, I'll tell you. Some of these characteristics change depending on the storytelling, but there's a few common depictions of him. Half goat, half demon, hairy, usually brown or black in color, cloven hooves. Sometimes he's depicted as having one human foot and one hoof, which is terrifying. Ew. Yeah, I don't like that. A long pointed tongue. Horns like a goat. Fangs. This is just like the creepiest thing. He carries chains. And the Christian church connects this to being bound by the devil. And there's sometimes bells on these chains as well in the legend. In pagan religion origins, he carries the root. And the root is a bundle of birch branches. And in some versions, the root is replaced with a whip. So very small, varying details, but overall like the same image of him. Mm -hmm. In some versions of the story, Krampus may also have a sack or basket attached to his back. We'll get into what these items are quote unquote used for in a little bit. So moving on to the legend. Krampus is in Central European legend is a half goat, half demon monster that punishes children on Christmas time. That is so terrifying. Oh my gosh, he's so evil. Evil. Imagine telling your children this story. <laughs> right? That's literally traumatizing. <laughs> I can just imagine like all these kids being like, yeah, I was threatened with Krampus. Yeah, it's like, I'm not afraid of a monster under my bed. I'm afraid of Krampus. Right. In the cor- lurking in the corner of my room. <laughs> I hope... They at least wait till a certain age to tell their children this story. Or from kindergarten on, they know about <laughs> Krampus. <laughs> He's known to be the devilish companion of St. Nicholas. Krampus is thought to be part of pagan rituals for winter solstice, and he is known as the son of hell, a Norse god of the underworld. How fitting. Today is the first day of winter solstice. Is it really? Yeah. Wow, that's fucking weird. Happy winter solstice, everybody. Wow, happy winter solstice. The Catholic Church attempted to ban his association to Christmas, but they were not successful, so Krampus stuck around. Krampus is said to arrive December 5th on Krampus Natch. (laughs) Krampus Natch? I mean, that kind of would make sense with what he does. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Just snatched up the kids. Oh, God. (laughs) Hopefully no one takes this as us making fun of how the word is pronounced. Heaven forbid. Right. (laughs) (laughs) He snatched. And that could go a whole other way, but we won't go there. (laughs) Krampus is said to arrive December 5th on Krampus Nacht or Krampus Night to visit homes and businesses. This precedes the Feast of St. Nicholas on December 6th, which is celebrated in parts of Europe. So St. Nicholas rewards nice children by leaving presents. And on the other hand, 
Krampus beats or swats the naughty children with branches and sticks or the root like we had talked about. Or in some cases, the whip. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? You were a bad child this year. I'm going to I'm this evil thing that's just going to come around and whip you with a root. I'm calling Krampus. Sometimes he's said to accompany St. Nicholas in some folklore. He's said to be by himself. St. Nicholas brings gifts, like I'd mentioned, while Krampus brings coal and the root. In regards to the versions that include the sack or basket, this is used to, quote, cart off evil children for drowning, eating, or transport to hell. Oh, my (gasps) God. I'm laughing because that makes me so nervous being a child and thinking this story was true. I wrote in here, that's literally one way to terrify your kids into being good around the holidays. (laughs) That is, could you imagine? Imagine you're being bad and your mom or dad or guardian threatens you with Krampus and you know this story and you're like, no, you're screaming and crying because you don't want this evil thing to come take you away in a sack and take you to hell. (laughs) Krampus is going to pick you up, put you in a sack and then you're gone. He's going to eat you. That is so traumatizing. Wow. Like, kind of funny in the same way. It's really funny, but also terrifying. All right. So, moving on, there are some festivities that surround Krampus. Krampus Lof, or Krampus Run, involves drunk people dressed as this creature parading around and scaring and or chasing people that watch. I want to go to Krampus Run. (laughs) Krampus Lof? Yeah. Yeah, same. And I was reading different articles that said there's been a lot of issues surrounding this Krampus Run throughout the years with people just going fucking crazy and going way overboard. I feel like it's probably this holiday that people just, like, kind of like Halloween, like it's gone far from the original legend and stories and now it's just like this crazy fucking holiday that people go nuts at yeah and they're kind of taking advantage and taking it way too far like pulling a winston from new girl and actually (laughs) probably beating people with roots oh my god there was just all these different articles about situations where it was kind of like mini riots that occurred oh my god i don't want to go i thought it was funny I'm, I'm sure in some places it is, but then there's other places where people are just taking it way too far. Yeah. So in the late 20th century, Krampus runs became really popular in Austria and Germany. Exchanging greeting cards featuring Krampus has been a popular thing in parts of Europe since the 19th century. The cards are usually full of humor and may contain a poem or a rhyme, and we'll post some of these on our Instagram and Facebook because they are so funny. Really? I need to look. Well, some of them. Some of them are, um, I'll get into that right now, but some of them are really funny. So sometimes the illustration on the card may also contain a quote unquote sexual overtone, such as Krampus chasing big breasted women. What the fuck? But some also show him proposing to women. So Older versions of the cards feature a creepier, more evil-looking Krampus, while modern ones sometimes have a cute Cupid-like version of him. Ew. Which is also kind of weird. Yeah, I don't like, like he's that supposed one. to be this evil thing. Why are you 
making him cute and childlike with this story connected to him. Yeah, that's weird. In all different countries around the world, Krampus has been incorporated into the culture and celebrations of that location. You can read more online to really dive into the specifics of that, as there are so many little details with how different people celebrate. Wow. So we couldn't really get into every little thing because it would we would literally be doing this for probably a week worth of episodes. There's just so much to it. Right. So it's kind of like spiraled into different traditions over the years. Mm-hmm. So some modern media featuring Krampus. In 2004, Krampus, the Devil of Christmas, is a collection of vintage postcards by Monty Beauchamp. Also in 2004, there is an episode of The Venture Bros called Minstrel Krampus. In 2012, Krampus the Yule Lord is a novel written by Gerald Brom. Also in 2012, episode of The League called, quote, A Krampus Carol. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Uh, There's an animation called A Very Venture Christmas. 2013, episode of American Dad. 2013, Krampus comic book series from Image Comics. Video games. Karn Evil, and The Binding of Isaac, Rebirth. And finally, in 2015, a horror comedy film, Krampus. Which is the one that I asked you if you had seen. I definitely have not. I'm going to Google it, but I want to know how many of you have known about Krampus or if I truly just live under a rock. We'll do a poll. How about (laughs) that? We'll do a poll on Instagram. I'm looking at the, the pictures of that right now and I literally there's nothing I've never seen it wow it's really creepy looking though yeah but I feel like the history of Krampus is just so interesting on top of the legend behind it and that this is literally told to children (laughs) yeah I think it's really funny though and I feel like parents used to use scare tactics like that for their kids And now it's so frowned upon, but I think it's hysterical. (laughs) Well, I could tell you I grew up in that era and I turned out just fine. So Right. And I love that dark humor. I think it's so funny. Yeah. There's a difference between dark humor and when people do things seriously. Right. All right. So moving on to our next folklore. This is that of Grilla. And... I had never heard of Grilla until we researched about her. Same. And this is another (laughs) really, like, dark but funny one. Yeah. So, some background. She was known by some as, quote-unquote, Iceland's Christmas witch. And the folktale of Grilla has been around since the 13th century. It's mentioned in many different texts. And even so, it was not connected to Christmas until the 17th century. And Smithsonian Magazine says the 19th century. So there was some conflicting information there with when it actually was connected to Christmas. She more so represented the threat of winter and darkness before her connection to Yule or Christmas was eventually made. Terry Gunnell, who is the head of the folkloristics department at the University of Iceland, described what Yule was like in Iceland and may still be like for some people before it evolved into modern-day Christmas. 
And this is a quote from Smithsonian Magazine. Quote, According to Gunnell, the earliest celebrations of the season were viewed as a time not only to bring together relatives, living and deceased, but also elves, trolls, and other magical and spooky creatures believed to inhabit the landscape. Sometimes these figures would visit in the flesh as masked figures going around to farms and houses during the season. So it's almost like Halloween in a way. Yeah. Also, can we talk about how there's a folkloristic department at the University of Iceland? I love that so much. That's so cool. Yeah. I didn't and even know that was a thing. I love that in Iceland, the earliest celebrations of Yule were incorporating magical and spooky creatures into it as well. Very, very cool. Yeah. They are ahead of their time in many things. Yeah. <laughs> So Grilla is part of Icelandic folklore, and her name translates loosely to Growler. Oh, Luna. Nick probably got here before, and Timo finally probably just pulled in. Nick. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this is our second new girl reference of the episode. Nick. <laughs> I'm obsessed. Her name translates loosely to Growler. Ooh, she sounds spooky. She is. She's a bad bitch. Bad witch. Bad witch. So a little description of Grilla. She is a giantess, troll, or ogre. And she's enormous. Her appearance is described as, quote, repulsive. And this is all a quote from Guide to Iceland. An old poem about Grilla describes as having 15 tails And on each tail, she had a hundred balloons, and on every balloon contained 20 children. (laughs) So she's giant. (laughs) Other descriptions of Grilla say that she had 300 heads and three eyes on each head. So I think they're trying to get across the point that she's just giant. And repulsive looking. Yeah. And terrifying. Yeah. This is also a quote from Guide to Iceland. Quote, Another account claims that she has bad nails on each finger, eyes in the back of her head, and horns like a goat. The ears dangle down to her shoulders and are fastened to her nose. What? Her chin is bearded and her teeth are like charcoal. That's horrifying. Yeah, that's a very scary depiction of a creature. Was do your ears hang low about... (laughs) <laughs> Grilla? I was wondering that when I read that. <laughs> huh. <laughs> Maybe. She also has been married three times, so she couldn't find a husband that she liked or that liked her. She literally ate one of her husbands when she became bored with him. Oh my god, I kind of love her. <laughs> Me too. She's like, fuck this guy, I'm done. <laughs> i'm done and i'm hungry so yeah she's known as quote a parasitic beggar that's a sad thing to say about somebody that actually is very sad poor grilla i know in original stories of her she lived in a small cottage how the fuck does she live in a small cottage if she was a giant beast (laughs) it's a folklore kelsey true (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, where is the logic? 
but it evolved into her being forced out of town and relocating to a cave in the mountains. Oh my god, that makes me so sad. Some versions may say that she lived in a cave in Dimubergir. Sorry if I just really fucked that up. I'm trying my best. Lava fields in Iceland. So, Grilla's folktale. We're going to get into what she's all about now. According to the legend, she emerges from her cave and walks around nearby towns during Christmas time. She asks parents to give her their misbehaving children, and these children may then become her meal. Ugh. Other versions may say that she hunts these disobedient children, so instead of asking for permission, she just hunts them. And she can be chased away or given food in order to make her leave. My theory is she wants some friends because she's exiled to the caves. But she's a cannibal. But she's also a cannibal and can't control (laughs) herself. Yeah. Some modern day legends say that Grilla can keep track of these misbehaving children throughout the year, not just on Christmas. So kind of like Santa. She has a list. Yep. Apparently, once she captures them, she carries them home in a giant sack cooks them in a giant pot, and devours them. And this is a quote from Wiki. Quote, Her favorite dish is a stew of naughty kids, for which she has an insatiable appetite. Also a great way to scare your children. Yeah, like this big ogre, 300-eyeballed thing is going to come take you, put you in a sack, and eat you. (laughs) Right. She mostly eats children, but doesn't mind eating grown men as well. Oh, no preference. Including her husband, apparently. (laughs) She's not opposed to an ogre, if need be. There is never a shortage of food for her, according to this folklore. So lots of bad kiddos. Mm -hmm. Side note, Grilla's third husband, Lepaludi, Their sons and the big black Yule cat are all said to live with Grilla in the cave. Her kids must be good. She's not eating them. Yeah, but they're not human, and you'll see why she probably likes them. Okay. So, Lepaludi, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right as well, because it is Icelandic, is said to be lazy and pretty much just stays in the cave. I'm surprised she hasn't eaten him yet, to be honest. Right. Over the years, the folktale has changed and evolved. Apparently, in past versions, Grilla had dozens of children with her previous husbands as well. And in modern versions, they really aren't mentioned as much. There are stories connected to her children and the Yule Cat as well, which we will touch upon for you. How cool. So, getting into the Yule Cat folktale... The cat is known as Yola Katerin. A little back history. Considered an ancient folktale, but written accounts haven't been found on the tale until the 19th century. It's of a huge, vicious black cat that walks around the snowy countryside at Christmas. Could you imagine seeing that? This just massive black cat. Yeah. I would love it so much. <laughs> Brim would get eaten immediately. <laughs> I'd be like, let me pet your paw. And it would literally <laughs> just like tap me with its claw and impale me and I'd be done. Right, just swat you. 
this cat eats people that haven't gotten new clothes. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> this cat eats people that haven't gotten new clothes to wear before Christmas Eve. So this cat's like, bitch, if you're an outfit repeater, you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like once we get into the history of that a little bit, it kind of makes sense with the past how this story came about in a way but it is pretty outdated now to be like okay this cat's not gonna eat you if you don't have the right outfit for christmas dinner (laughs) right (laughs) other versions say that the cat would eat the food of people without new clothes on christmas this threat was allegedly used by farmers as motivation for their workers to process autumn wool before christmas so that makes sense Mm mm-hmm Those who worked would get new clothes, and the ones who didn't would be eaten by the giant feline. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, it was motivation for work ethic. (laughs) Like, if you're lazy and don't work, you're not getting new clothes, so this cat's going to eat you. (laughs) I like to picture the cat as really sassy, and it's just like, I don't like your outfit. (laughs) The fun, the thing that's funny to me, though, is the people who decided, no, you know what, I don't want to process wool. Or no, I don't, I don't feel like working. I'm going to be lazy about it, you know? Yeah. And Christmas passed and they still were here not mauled by a giant cat. <laughs> <laughs> then they just probably continued every year to be like, no, I'm not. I'm I not. know. Hearing these sheep and making your wool sweaters. Right. That's probably, you know, why it stopped. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the story. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. So, Grilla's children's folktale. So, they are known as Yule Lads, Yuletide Lads, or Yulemen. They were all of Grilla's and her third husband's sons. In some version, they're Grilla's brothers. Some stories only speak of nine Yule Lads, while others say 13. So, differing things between the stories. These versions all depend on the location where the story is being told. In eastern Iceland, the Yule Lads didn't come from the mountains. Instead, they came from the ocean. So, it all comes from culture and probably word of mouth over the years and your location. Yeah. In the most commonly told version, there are 13 of them. And according to Guide to Iceland, Grilla and her third husband are the parents to 20 children. Then they have even more children outside of each other. A lot of kids. A lot of kids. They arrive night by night during the 13 nights leading up to Yule, which is creepy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just one. Like, who am I expecting tonight? Right. Like, one little ogre child. They each stay not little. (laughs) One giant ogre child. They each stay for 13 nights, the first one departing on Christmas Day. They're described as pranksters and are very mischievous. They're usually depicted wearing late medieval Icelandic clothing. I love that so much. Me too. I want to see them. What cuties. Horrific cuties. Right. And sometimes they are in clothing similar to Santa Claus. Their names describe their favorite way to cause trouble. (laughs) That's cute. So these are the English translations 
of their names because we don't want to butcher the Icelandic pronunciations, which I would. The first one is Sheepcoat Claude. Sheepcoat Claude. <laughs> what did I say? No, I'm just laughing at the name. Sheepcoat oh, like, did Claude. I pronounce the English one wrong? No. Sheepcoat Claude. <laughs> he's he's named this because he harasses the sheep. Gully Gawk. And this one's named this because he hides in the gullies and sneaks into the cow shed and steals milk. Wow, these little mischievous things. <laughs> <laughs> the next one's named Stubby. That's so sad. That's really sad. And it's because he's abnormally short. Steals pans and eats leftovers from them. Poor thing. The next one is Spoon Licker. And he steals and licks wooden spoons. Pot Scraper. Steals leftovers in the pots, of course. Bowl Licker. Hides under the beds and steals bowls. That one creeps me out. Why would you... I'm confused. Why wouldn't you be in the kitchen if you were Bowl Licker? I think it has to do with the historical aspect of it i don't know it explained it in a way where it wasn't a typical bowl it was almost a pot in a way but not like it was a covered bowl Mm, so maybe they would put it by their bedside when they were done interesting up next is door slammer who of course slams the doors especially during the night that is terrifying (laughs) so if you've ever heard a door slam in the middle of the night it might not have been a ghost it might have been door slammer Right? It's just door slammer lurking around. The next one is Skyr Gobbler. I'm hoping I hope I'm saying that right. Or Skier. And it loves Skyr, which is similar to yogurt. I'm probably saying that wrong, but someone can correct me. <laughs> the next one is Sausage Swiper. He hides in the rafters and steals sausages that are being smoked. Yeah, this is definitely from way back when. Yeah. Window peeper. This is just a straight-up pervert. (laughs) Looks through the windows for things to steal. He was your OG peeping Tom. Right. He is creepy. Doorway sniffer. Has a very large nose and an amazing sense of smell. He uses this to find leaf bread. Meat hook. Steals meats with a hook. And candle stealer. Follows children and steals their candles. I wonder if in these traditions they have little figurines of these things like the seven or the dwarves. Yeah. You know? Although it's a creepy thing, so they might not want little toys of them. I think it would be so funny. (laughs) Children will leave shoes on the windowsills and the Yule lads leave gifts in their shoes, so they're not bad after all. Somewhat. Somewhat. If a child has been naughty, they leave a rotten potato in the shoe. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I like that better than coal. Yeah, same. Just a rotten potato. Yeah, that's really funny. And that's the the folk tale of Grilla. Love her. Kind that's of. So cool. I think it's funny. I think they're so funny. I think so too. It's that dark humor and just the fun behind it, you know? Yeah. It was created to keep your children in line. <laughs> also... Her sons are very cute. I'm looking at pictures. They're ugly, but really funny looking. Aww. Yeah. So do you recognize the name Grilla? I don't think so. From something we've watched within recent years. Grilla, Grilla. 
Give me a hint. The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Oh, I didn't watch Sabrina. <laughs> you didn't? I watched like a couple episodes and then I didn't like it. Oh my god. So Grilla, the character Grilla is in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, but she's not this folklore version of herself. She's oh, okay. kind of a powerful witch within the show, and she actually protects mistreated children in the show. So it's kind of opposite. Yeah, I guess they okay. tried to flip-flop who she is for that, but yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's the only thing I knew Grilla from, though. I didn't know this whole folklore tale of Grilla till now. I like it. I like hearing other traditions because, I mean, you think all that you have is what you go off of from what you learn growing up and then you hear all these other things and you're like, wow, do people celebrate this and talk about this every year, you know? Mm-hmm. So cool. Yeah. And uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this. Yeah, and we hope you had a great Christmas. New Year's is next week, of course, so stay safe. And great holiday if you celebrate something else. Of course. I feel bad that these are only tales that stem from Christmas, but that's just the ones we found just happened to be like that, and they are both dark and on the shorter side, so that's why we chose those, but... If you have any other suggestions, holiday-related folktale suggestions, and of course, on the darker side, because we enjoy those, send them our way. We'll cover them even outside of the holidays. Agreed. Any holiday you celebrate is great. We hope you guys had great holidays and you were able to spend it with family. Yeah. And now that we're at the end of that, I have my book suggestions. Oh, yeah, yeah. I want to hear them. So I grew up reading these books. I have all of them at my parents' house somewhere. And it's so funny because I'm wondering if they kind of evolved from the Grilla story. Okay. Because these books, so there's three of them that I used to have, and they're by Jan Brett. There's one called Christmas Trolls. There's one called Trouble with Trolls. And then there's one called The Mitten. And they all involve this little girl. There's these trolls that like steal stuff from her. And they come around Christmas and they wear little Icelandic sweaters. Oh my God, I bet you it has something to do with it. Yeah. And I was trying to look into if this book, because I don't have the books on hand to read quickly and see where the location of the story is or what it's based around. But I tried to look online real quick if it said if it's like German based or Iceland based or something like that. And I couldn't really find anything. But I'm gonna like find those books and look into it. I highly recommend them. They're really cute books. The illustrations are absolutely incredible. And one of the books I think incorporates this little thing that you also look for on each page like it's kind of like an I spy type thing too it might be the mitten and it's just really really cute it's really a great read for children or for you to read to your children so I highly recommend but it just really reminded me of the Grilla I think it was it kind of stemmed from that potentially wow that's really cool I wonder if it did yeah maybe I should write to Jan Brett and ask her like where did you get your inspiration from (laughs) have you ever heard of Grilla are you German or Icelandic 
and her Yule children. Right. That's <laughs> so funny. Yeah. So I'll put those in our recommendations. I actually need to catch back up real bad on our Instagram highlights of recommendations, but I'll post that for the episode and then hopefully eventually add it to our highlights as well for anyone who wants to check out those books. Cool. Should we get into our spiel? Let's do it. So you can go to our Instagram at Crime Cults and Coffee. That's where we post our coffee reviews, our recommendations, photos, and also the link tree in our bio shows all of our listening platforms that we are currently on. So you can listen to us or send us to somebody else to listen. You can also find us on Facebook at Crime Cults and Coffee. That's where we post our weekly resources and photos from each case. You know, any GoFundMe or anything like that that you need to know will be on there as well. If you have any case suggestions, folklore suggestions, <laughs> or listener stories, you can email us at crimecoltsandcoffee at gmail.com or DM us at crimecoltsandcoffee on Instagram. Also, if you can leave us a rate and review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, wherever you're able to do that, we would greatly appreciate it. We will send you free stickers. And if you aren't able to do that on any listening platform of your choice, you can like, you can follow, you can subscribe. That will let you know when new episodes come out each week. And until next week, happy holidays. Don't get snatched up by Krampus or Grilla. <laughs> Have a good week, guys. Bye. Bye. regarding this case and our resources follow us at crime cults and coffee on instagram and facebook